Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spech. Hey, hello. How's it going, Derek? I appreciate you needing me hanging this time. <laughs> I just, I'm just testing you, buddy. You want, you think, boom, 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 boom. But some days we got to change things up. Yeah, yeah. Gotta, yeah. Gotta, just got to keep you on oh, your remember toes. Remember the first few episodes, I always changed the, I was like, now I'm just always, hello. But before it was like, I was always trying to come up with something new, tried to have something different every week. And hello is your. Is my uh, calling card now. That's right. We said that was going to be your calling card and you said, no, it would not I be. I don't like it. <laughs> and I have people that, that, oh yeah, Derek, hello. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's yeah. not the only thing they say about him, though, by no. the way. <laughs> Joining us this evening, John Van Berger. <laughs> who, Sorry, man. Who it was, was that? It was hanging out there. I had to take that one. <laughs> who was that? <laughs> I couldn't let that one go, man. <laughs> Thanks, John. This isn't one of those conference calls, sir. Please hang up and try your call again later. <laughs> the party line. Is there any girls on here? Is there any girls on here? Hey, is there any girls on here? <laughs> Was that the 80s that had the party lines or the 90s? Uh, it would have been the... Uh it was in the 70s. My parents had a party line. There was, uh, at one point, we were up to four people on the same line, and then eventually it was down to two when they got more lines. Well, no, in. this was the party line where it was a number that you could call. Oh. And everybody, it'd be like, basically be like a COVID party. Ah. <laughs> so I'm- where Everybody's th- on the on a Zoom call, but it was like Zoom via telephone, oh, landline yeah. telephone. So I'm just thinking of party lines because we, growing up, we used to have to pick up, listen to see if our neighbors were on the phone. Oh yeah, and no, if the line like was clear, we could dial out. Yeah, I know. Or we could pick up the phone and listen to the neighbor talk. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I hear breathing in the background. Who's on the call? <laughs> Darth. <laughs> uh, how you doing, John? I'm doing all right. You doing good, all right? Good, good. What are you guys up to yeah. this week? Anything fun, Derek? Uh, us, we're watching the snow melt. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Beautiful day today, too. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Was it ever? The sunset was incredible. Yeah. 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 See? Spring's yeah. on its way, buddy. Oh, yeah. I told you. Oh, yeah. John, what are you doing? Well, actually, I picked up a new trail camera, and uh, so today I was testing it in the dark basement, um, and got some really bizarre and funny video. Well, if you would have kept your pants on. <laughs> <laughs> so is it one of the new ones that you can, it it, uh, it pitches out the picture to, to like a phone or a computer or something? Or is it one you have to go pull the card? Yeah, this actually has the Wi-Fi Bluetooth connection and stuff. So you can look at them that way. Okay. Um, but what it, it, it's supposed to be one of the, the cams that will not give you that, that, flash you know that gets the animal's attention oh or the human's attention yeah but it was definitely there uh i noticed it when i was down there today it's like no that's kind of glowing red i can see that (laughs) yeah (laughs) either that or it was that uh what was it in the amityville horror the the pig jody with the glowing red eyes the Mm. demon oh yeah Mm. yeah yeah, maybe I don't want to go down in my basement anymore. <laughs> and that was the last time John went into his basement. The trail cam is still down there to this day. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, because those, those you see those pictures, and every animal has like demon eyes. In oh yeah, the, trail in cam the, pictures yeah. in the in the yeah. yeah. It's an light. absolutely beautiful picture, except for the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, think about this for a sec. All the trail cams are out there and around the world today. Everybody's got them. Like every, like my brother, he's he used to have a whole bunch uh, off in the woods, and like everybody, everybody has them nowadays. But we have yet to see Sasquatch, Bigfoot. Mm. So hide and seek champion since 1842. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I, I'm uh, as technology gets better and better, and uh, people have more and more trail cams. Because you can have trail cams now that connect to a cell signal and. So yep. if we still haven't seen a picture of uh, Sasquatch, Bigfoot, where is Sasquatch? Who, who calls? So it's in the, in the Himalayas, they call it the Yeti. Yeah. Sasquatch in, and Bigfoot are the same fella. In, and that's like uh, the Pacific Northwest and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Then there's Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster. Oh, yes, yes. And then there's <laughs> the Lake Okeechobee beastie as well. Oh, like Okanagan one. Okanagan or Okanagan? Okan- Okanagan. Like Okanagan, yeah, the Okanagan. Is it Okanagan or Okeechobee? Uh, well, the creature is called something different, but. I thought it was in Lake Okeechobee. It's Okanagan Lake. Is it? Out in BC. Maybe there's two. Yeah. Maybe they're related. It's a great place for, uh, it's great, great wineries there. Oh. Very temperate environment. Well, regardless, there's lots of beasties as no one's ever seen. <laughs> 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 At this point. <laughs> Hide and seek champions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, where are you using it for, John? Your trail cam. I'm going to take it out on trips with me and just put them out at campsites and see what wanders see through. What, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, what the immediate thing was try to get some uh, images of the flying squirrels we've got. We got a couple of families of flying squirrels. Oh, cool. And I just kind of wanted to watch some of that and see what they were up to. Huh. And I want to try to set up. We have a couple of pair of pileated woodpeckers oh nice that coming into the yard too so i want to maybe set that up next to uh on the tree where they're where they're at a lot so just kind of see what it looks like we have one that comes to our our bird feeders in our front yard uh he was there two weeks ago he comes for a couple of days and then we'll probably see him in about three months again i he's, mm-hmm. he's got to have some sort of big um, route that he follows or something. Because we see him about it once for a couple of days every three months or so. Which is weird. Hmm. Mm. But we do have six squirrels in our yard. And every time <laughs> I walk out the front door with the peanut bag, they all come running and stare at me. <laughs> and it's, it's the just, food, man. Well, and it's funny because we have um, four black squirrels and two gray squirrels. The mm-hmm. gray squirrels are the violent ones. They're violent? Yeah. What do you mean they're violent? Because the the black squirrels, you throw the peanuts out, they, they run, they get one, and, yeah. and, and bugger off. But if the gray squirrel sees a black squirrel there, he'll attack the black squirrel. And once the black squirrel runs, the gray squirrel will come and eat the peanuts. So like a Gangs of New York type thing. That's uh, what I'm thinking. <laughs> gangs of Ajax. Yeah. Yeah, little <laughs> squirrel wars. <laughs> little tiny knives in their paws. And then there's squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> West Side Story. <laughs> That's right. It's the blades and the jets or whatever they're called. Oh, yeah. And that's what's happened in my neighborhood. Where's Mr. Rogers when you really need him? (laughs) 
so beautiful day in the neighborhood <laughs> till the squirrels showed up, yep. and then it was all oh, no world's barred. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the the trail cams that'd be interesting to set up outside your tent when you're sleeping, uh, yep. when you're in the back country, because you know then you're thinking, yeah, I'm gonna get pictures of that bear I heard last night. And you'll find out for sure it was just a frog hopping on your <laughs> on your tent. On your right. tent. <laughs> yeah. I'd taken that one up on the Yukon and a lot of time was just so tired by the time we got to the campsite that I didn't set it up. And the night that the wolf came up to the tent, I did not have it set up. So every night after that I put it up but didn't get anything after that, you know. <laughs> Too late now, buddy. One chance. Exactly. One yeah. chance. You need to strap it to like a pointy stick. <laughs> and then just, when you get to camp, just plant that stick in the ground. There you go. Mm. Yep. And be done with it. I can pull. <laughs> yeah. But you'll know better for next time. <laughs> That's right. Uh, other than that, anything new, Derek? Nothing new. Nothing new? Just watching the snow melt. Awesome. Quiet Adventure Symposium is done. Uh, just do a quick brief uh, thingy here. It was a virtual symposium this year. Spread out over the course of five nights over two weeks. I like that. What did you think of that, uh, John? Well, I thought it was good because people could, um, easier for people, you know, if they had different activities to see some of it at least. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. Be curious to see. Well, I mean, they hope that we're all able to get together in 2022 in person. Uh, if not, I'd be curious to see what they think of, you know, what the organizers felt at did and what they would change you know if they could do it again or if they do will do it again yeah i got a little survey here i gotta fill out and send back Uh, Mm -hmm. i liked it because each night so they had they had it the tuesday the thursday the tuesday the thursday saturday right Mm -hmm. five nights so on the two first tuesday they had track a track b and you could go down and you could switch between the two yeah. So, you know, if there's somebody, you wanted to see the first two speakers of track A and then the third speaker that's in track B, you could switch over. Mm-hmm. And it's realistically, it was just a virtual going from one meeting room to another meeting room mm-hmm. to another right. me- sort of thing, right? Right. Uh, which I really like that fact that you only had two meeting rooms to cha- choose from each mm-hmm. night. And I was able to see more things presentations than I would have been able to see if I was, if it was a live Physically in-person event. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then Thursday, same deal. The following Tuesday, the following Thursday, same deal. Uh, it was only the, the grand finale Saturday night that happened this past Saturday that uh, they didn't have a track A and B. They just had the A. But I, I did like that format because I could see a lot more more things absolutely like yeah. every time we've gone i remember like i i'd break away from our booth and i go around and try and see other people's booths and then and then try and drop it quickly on something like it was it, it's hard, with all the different stuff that's going on all at once you, you're you kind of really get divided in what you're you're rushing around say okay i get to see this or mm-hmm. kind of schedule something and then you got your own stuff to do for your own booth and so this here was uh it was the the form it was a good format it was and it was well run yeah. Um, and yeah, we've, we've run into that problem before where you don't get to see any, cause I mean, we're trying to record guests in our booth as well while we're there. Yeah. So there's things you want to see, but you can't see them or, you know, oh yeah, they're on for, for half an hour. Well, I can't really, cause we got somebody booked for an interview for we, that half hour. Exactly. So yeah. 
you know, missing. And I don't think last year, year, previous year, we didn't see a single presentation. No. I saw all the booths. Yeah. I gave was, a presentation. Yeah. yeah. But other than that. Yeah. Was, I, didn't, I didn't get to see all the booths, but... Mm-hmm. Because you were supposed to go have a quick run around and come back. And <laughs> I ended up buying a paddle and up st- was yeah. missing for 40 minutes. <laughs> I knew he was going there with yeah. that, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Thanks, Derek. Uh, it's a beauty paddle. Uh, it was definitely, I thought it was well run. Uh, I know there was a lot of comments, you know, this is the first time. How are we going to do this? How's it going to work? Because it's virtual, we've never had to do something like this before. And I think it, uh, I think it, it actually turned out quite well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do I got here to do, do, do? Yeah. So Jerry Vandiver and his crew of awesome musicians, you know, they were playing a bunch of paddling songs, presentations about birding, hiking, paddling, biking, camping, essential gear from this guy from Wisconsin, (laughs) safety, motivation, uh, food, paddling destinations, and so much more. The grand finale night was a bit worrisome, however. It sucked. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, my name got thrown out there. I was talking to Kevin Callum and they were talking about doing a little chat between him and Cliff and maybe we should get a moderator. And Kevin threw my name into the mix and uh, they sent me an email saying, hey, would you want to do it? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, so I got a bunch of, like, we, we did a little test thing to make sure the, the, the day before to make sure everything was going to work out right and it seemed to work out right. Uh, but I came out, we had a bunch of questions ready to go that way I could chat and throw at their, throw at them. And, um, yeah, it was just a, a big zoom call with a whole bunch of people. There's like 102 people watching sort of thing. And, uh, cause you can see the little number at the bottom and they'll throw out questions. They'll have little chit chats. They'll make comments and stuff like that. So we can read as we're, as we're, we're going through it. And, you know, I throw a question out there and Cliff and Cliff uh, Jacobson and, Kevin Callan would answer it. And, uh, um, I was surprised there wasn't more debating. There was no verbal fisticuffs. So. <laughs> no trolls. <laughs> there was no, no, uh, at one point, um, Jerry Vandiver noted that Cliff Jacobson actually said, you know, you're right, Kevin. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It is it is in video format for everybody to <laughs> recorded see. Recorded for posterity. <laughs> uh, yeah, they so they did that, but they started the night with um, uh, Kevin Callan's video "Paddlers Who Motivate Us," and it's based on the whiskey fireside chats he's done over the last year. Now, if you ever get to see that video, that's that's pretty cool. I think they'll be showing it at Canucopia again or uh, this year. Uh, they announced the winner of the Verlin Kruger Award, and this year it was Dina Jurdy. Executive Director of Paddle and Trim. Um, she's done a great job helping to promote Chain of Lakes Water Trail in Michigan. There was, oh, and I got to try to remember, there's a, a 50-kilometer race in Michigan based on a Voyager guy or a French-Canadian guy that had to paddle a birch bark canoe with his buddies who's bet that he couldn't do it or something. 50 kilometers. Oh, yeah? And they turned it into a race. Hmm. I got to remember, somebody say, hey, you guys should do that. Sean and Kevin should do that. And it's like, well, I'm in. So now I got to figure out what this race was. Um, but yeah, so, and then Jerry Vandiver and the One Match Band the, did the Front Porch concert from Jerry's Front Porch. And uh, yeah, then there was the grand finale uh, chat 
uh, between Cliff and and Kevin, and it uh, it went pretty well, I think. A lot of people uh, got some good information and had a had some chuckles, that's for sure. And I think, uh, yeah. Overall, uh, awesome job by the whole Quiet Adventure Symposium organization. I definitely have to say, uh, did a great job putting on this virtual symposium and. As everybody says, as much as we enjoyed this one and being able to see all these different presentations at our own, um, own pace, own pace own sort leisure, of thing, yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully next year we can all be under one roof in Michigan again, because that, there's just something about being there in person and seeing everybody. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It does make a difference, the atmosphere, and just to see stuff in person, and it's it, it is it is so much better in person. And we get Wisconsin beer and cheese. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You you presented twice there, John, this year. Yeah, and yeah. no problem. Was it now? Did you just do a video and then submit it, and they just played it? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's how they wanted to, to go ahead and do that. Now they had said initially that you know they were as they were trying to set up Q and A and stuff, and I thought initially that I was going to have Q and A, and then that didn't happen. And then on the second one, it was just like, well, I'll just take some extra time then. And so I could do a little bit more on, on the essential gear, and that's mm-hmm. what I ended up doing. So, uh, But it worked out well. I, at least I hope it did. I got a few nice comments on it. So, uh, And I know some people downloaded the um, gear list uh, from our website. We had you know, said, look, if, you're, if you want to know more, go to. And uh, so we had some people do that, so we were pleased about that. And bottom line is, right, uh, safer experience outdoors. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as long as you, you feel it went well on your end, then that's that's cool. Yeah. Because, yeah, everything uh, I saw, all the presentations I was watching, everything seemed to seemed to go tickety-boo. Yeah. Now, I did. I got the same survey, too, and I'm going to slam that moderator of that grand finale. <laughs> oh, he was a handsome devil. <laughs> that wasn't what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Something about make him wear pants next time or, you know. <laughs> Two out of three people on that panel were not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like tonight. Your job? Figure out who. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> it's a good thing this isn't on YouTube. Oh, I tell you. <laughs> Who's not wearing pants? <laughs> uh, what else? Is, oh, 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 oh. So last. Oh, my. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. So the other day. I was talking with my friends. <laughs> uh, we did that canoe trip up the Trent Severn Waterway back in, was that August? It was August. Oh, yeah, I believe yeah, so. Yeah, it was August. Mm-hmm. So long ago now. Yeah. When there was nice weather. It was forever ago. Yeah, it was forever ago. When things were going just swimmingly. <laughs> uh, we did the uh, trip up the Trent Severn Waterway, Ben, Stacy, uh, and myself. And... Uh, we were filming the whole meal deal for a show called Get Outside, a Paddling Adventure. This was s- season three of Get Outside. Ben Stacy of Two Men in a Canoe. He's done season one, season two. Season one and season two are a bit different where each episode is basically somebody new or a new subject like you know, canoeing with somebody or kayaking with somebody or winter camping with somebody, that sort of thing. This was seven episodes of one trip with the same people. Yeah. That is right now, that is on Bell Five TV One. 
I don't get five TV. <laughs> I don't either. It's like a, if you're a Bell customer, you can subscribe to it. So if you are not a Bell subscriber to five TV. Wait two years. <laughs> no, I think it'll 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 be on YouTube next. Because I think it's when. He said it was season, over a year. Well, with season three's on, season two goes to YouTube, I believe. Mm-hmm. So I got to wait a year to see it. <laughs> but if you're on five, <laughs> record and it you want to invite me over, <laughs> let's do a YouTube a Zoom thing. Um, yeah, it's sort of like a Netflix thing where you got to subscribe to it, but you've got to be on the Bell system to do it. My parents, I think, are on Bell, so they're going to check see if they can watch it. See that stunningly handsome fella <laughs> paddling again. Um, yeah, so you know it's it's uh, the adventure paddling Trent Severn waterway from Lake Ontario to Georgian Bay. Uh, with Ben, and a few episodes, we were joined by guest paddlers. One of the guest paddlers being Mr. Derek Specht. Yes. That was was a handsome canoe that day, wasn't it? It was. (laughs) It was the two of us. Just the, yeah, wow. (laughs) Uh, It definitely was a lot of fun. It was. Um, There was, yeah, actually, we put the, the preview the the teaser trailer thing I guess up on our Facebook page yes yeah um, and it yeah <laughs> that that was uh, pretty good so if you get the chance uh, get outside a paddling adventure take a peek at it if not we'll keep our ears open and find out when how where we can throw it up online or something because Ben usually does a watch party first oh but does the, he yeah that's he, awesome he did it at a bar in Brooklyn yeah up uh, north of Whitby there two years ago, but then yeah. last year you had to cancel it. So other than that, that's that. What's next on the list? Is the next one the big the big one we're gonna try not to get political, but <laughs> yeah. This is interesting, fun, and I think it's a good idea. It is a good idea. Derek found this one, so you know. Um I'm surprised it didn't involve food or something or sprouts <laughs> or there are no no books were harmed in the making of this topic. Uh, so, should rivers have the same legal status as humans? Seems far fetched, right? It does seem far fetched, but it maybe uh, not. But I think it's a good idea. So you sent me this because something's happened in Canada this week. So I did a little bit of researching and let me, and then John did, oh, and I just, I closed down that page too. Mm-hmm. So back in <laughs> 1976, there was a fella who sort of said, hey, you know what? Trees and stuff like that should be protected and given rights because they're living things. And mm-hmm. then the next guy was in 86, there was a guy in the 80s doing the same sort of thing. Then there was a guy in the 90s doing the same. That would be Roderick something or other. I can't remember what his name was. Um, or was that the Cal guy? Anyway, I, I had it up on my Facebook. But yes, we were, try- we were trying to get rid of some line, line noise. And I yeah. thought maybe it was my other computer. And yeah. I turned it off. And oh, man. My life is hell. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, John. <laughs> just throwing blame it's around It's all my now. fault. Yeah, we're just throwing it around now. If it wasn't for you not sending us cheese and beer. There you go. Um, so then, yeah. So then the end of the 2000s, it started picking up. By 2016, like there were so many things happening. 
2008, Ecuador became the first country to enshrine the legal rights of nature in its constitution. Bolivia passed a similar law in 2011. Now, 2016, 2017, like, things were really heating up along this line. Now, we're just thinking, we're hearing about this now. And this has been going for a while, yes. right? We heard about it now, because now, for the first time, it's happening in Canada. In Canada, that's why we're hearing about it. But, 2017, New Zealand became the first country to grant a specific river legal rights, followed by the Indian state of Uttarakhand. Now, wasn't that where the landslide floods were? Um, no. Are you sure? That was in India. Yeah, the Indian state. Yeah. Of Uttarakhand. Was it? Yes. Yeah, it was. Go back and check that out. Uh, then in 2019, the city of Toledo, Ohio, passed what is known as the Lake Erie Bill of Rights to protect its shores, making it one of several U.S. communities to have passed legislation recognizing the rights of nature. However, inconsistent patchwork of approaches has inevitably led to difficulties in enforcement, says Aaron O'Donnell from the University of Melbourne Law School in Australia. In Ecuador, so everybody's thinking this is fantastic, right? Ecuador, they were talking about, it's going to be the people who have the most money that can make this work in their favor. And the Global Alliance of Rights of Nature and others sued a construction company trying to build a road across the Vilcabamba River. And they won in court. So an Ecuadorian court said, okay, construction guys, you cannot. So it was all a big hoot and hollering. But the construction company didn't comply with the yeah. court's ruling. So the NGO could not afford to run a second case. Yeah. So mm. even though they, they won. They won, but there's no way to enforce it because you'd have to go to court again to enforce it. Yeah. And it costs a lot of money for the lawyers and for the court time and for, it's mm -hmm. just, it was just financially wasn't feasible for them to push through again. Now, down south of the border with our buddy John, mm -hmm. uh, struggles also taking place on the shores of Lake Erie in Toledo, Ohio, when the city passed an ordinance that would allow its citizens to sue on behalf of the lake, arguing that it had gotten so polluted there was no choice. But the constitutionality constitutionality yeah, I said that right yeah, was that immediately right. challenged <laughs> I just I don't know anymore uh, was immediately challenged by a farm in a federal lawsuit the farmer saying that the ordinance made him it vulnerable to massive liability when it fertilizes its fields because it can never guarantee that all runoff will be prevented from entering the Lake Erie watershed which is yeah, that's, 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 you know, the state of Ohio joined the lawsuit arguing it, not the citizens of Toledo, had the legal responsibility for environmental regulatory programs. And this is where you get, you get business and government and, and the people arguing, you get this three party kind of thing is, and, 
it's unfortunate, but uh, in in this case, the state of Idaho in, intervened on behalf of the polluter, mm-hmm. not on behalf of the people who passed the law. And so it's, unfortunately, the government has this uh, thin line that they have to dance on and, and they have to, they're talking about, you know, you have to increase business, you have to provide for all the people. And, and sometimes the, the public kind of, takes a rough ride the back seat right and so they're trying to keep the uh the the big tax paying businesses happy and uh and but it's i don't know i i really think that they made a mistake in going against what the public wanted and instead sided with uh big business who was the one that was polluting well there's this this tish odell Ohio community organizer for the Community Environmental Legal Defense Fund. She's saying it doesn't matter what happens with this case because the genie is out of the bottle and exactly. the government is trying to put it back in. Yes, struggling very hard to do so. And 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 people cannot let them do that mm-hmm. because once it's back in, then they can do whatever they want again. Yeah. Right. And in cases like this, it comes down to the public or, you know, united interest to come forward and, and create inst- institutions or uh, organizations like that that can fight legally on behalf of a living river or a living tree, a living area to protect them because the government is not going to step up because the government has business in mind. And so whether it's uh, underground resources, uh, trees and farming, whatever the resources are, the government is more interested in that than it is with preserving a uh, waterway or so, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but we really need to step up and protect these waterways. Now, John, you you found that website with all the different things. And there was a lot of stuff in the the United States that were Mm. like Pennsylvania with some Wisconsin spots. Right. Yep, some spots with uh, the Menominee uh, Native Americans uh, for their, uh, I think it was with their reservation, which is a sovereign nation. It's uh, It was interesting because uh, there were a couple things in there that I didn't even realize from this area, you know, from the upper Midwest. So it, it was fascinating to go through and read. And, and then, at, you know, at the same time, it was kind of, you know, like with the Toledo thing the Toledo, Ohio lawsuit, you know, get that getting thrown out. Yep. You know that. Yeah. So you're kind of like, Oh man. But like you said, genie's out of the bottle. So if standard laws aren't protecting waterways, this is another way maybe to, to go about it. Well, and that's, I mean, from our aspect of it, protecting the waterways, you know, it's, it's paddling, right? Right. Yeah. it's, It's what we live for here. So, um, all the, the protection that they can get. And if this is the way to do it is to say, you know what, it's a living, breathing thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then it has rights. Legal status as a human. Legal status as a living being. So in 2019, Bangladesh became the first country to grant all of its rivers the same legal status as humans. All of its rivers. Yeah, that's, so that's a big yeah. thing. And I'll get into something after at the end of this. Just remember that that point. So from now on, all its rivers will be treated as living entities in a court of law. A landmark ruling by the Bangladeshi Supreme Court is meant to protect the world's largest delta 
from further degradation from pollution, illegal dredging, and human intrusion. Uh, there's a fella down there, Muhammad Abdul Matin. Uh, do, 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 do. In Bangladesh, the river is considered our mother. Following the ruling, anyone accused of harming the rivers can be taken to court by the new government-appointed National River Conservation Commission. They may be tried and delivered a verdict as if they harmed their own mother. <laughs> it's a good the, way to put it, though. Yeah. The Effective. river is, is now considered by law, by code, a living entity, so you'll have to face the consequences by law if you do anything that kills the river. So if you pollute the river, mm -hmm. you harm them. Basically, it's assault. So whatever the criminal code states you get for assaulting a person, yeah. you will get for, mm -hmm. all intents and purposes, assaulting the river. So you can see if somebody has a tailings pond spill at a mine and it runs down the river, that they'll be liable. Mm -hmm. If you, Whatever you do to harm that river, whether for whatever reason, then you could be held liable for that on a, like an attack on a human being type thing. It's, yeah. it's being protected on a personal level. Right. Um, so Canada, and this is now where you sent me this article. Yes. Uh, like I say, you sent me this part starting in, in February this year, and I just did a bit of backtrack and thought, well, that's kind of odd. And then found out, no, not, not really. So the Magpie River has long been a culturally significant spot for the Innu of... Ikwanashi. Okay. Yeah, it's a big one. I can't say that one. Now the river, a majestic world-renowned whitewater rafting destination has been granted legal personhood status in a bid to protect it from future threats such as hydro development. Uh, its new status means the body of water could theoretically sue the government. And this has just happened February 16th, 2021. Yeah, it's very recent. Right? Yeah. Uh, they, so the municip regional municipality of Mingani and the Inu Council adopted separate but similar resolutions granting the river nine legal rights, including the right to flow, to maintain its biodiversity, and the right to be take uh, to take legal action. It's all spelled out there, right? It's like yeah. it's this is a person now. And it's it's honestly if 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 uh business and government are not going to step up to the plate to protect these sensitive areas, then this is definitely a new sort of spin on it. It is. It's, so it's a new spin and it's the first time that something like this has protected, been protected in this manner in Canada. Now, by all means, I, I'm not a, you know, I, I'm not like a Greenpeace or I'm not a tree hugger and stuff like that. But I, I do think that when you have natural running rivers that you, like Quebec has a lot of dams in, in Quebec and they, they've they already dammed up a lot of rivers. But you there's it comes a point where you got to say, okay, enough's enough. Mm -hmm. you, th this is a very popular rafting and, and kayaking river and wh why you don't have to dam up every single one because it's not just now it's not just recreation it's also it's also uh you know native riparian species and riparian areas it's you're talking fish and other species beavers so once you start uh once you start damming and, and changing a waterway you're 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 changing a lot you're flooding a uh, a floodplain up upstream and so that causes a lot of damage in itself 
and uh, you're changing the watercourse, changing the the way that this living river does its business. Definitely. So, so it's it's uh, I think this is a good thing that's come about to uh, to protect the river in a way that the government and uh, Hydro Quebec were was unwilling to do. I apologize if I'm just going to butcher this one. Uwapukan Uwapukan Mestakosho Mestakosho. A member of the Inu community has been involved with, in the Magpie River conservation effort, said the river is an important part of the traditional territory of the Inu uh, of Ikuanishi. For some, spending time on the river is a way to reconnect to traditional land-based practices that were partially abandoned because of trauma suffered by Indigenous peoples from colonial violence, including the residential school system. Pierre-Olivier Boudreau, with the Quebec branch of the environmental charity Canadian Parks and Wilderness Society, says the move is rooted in the belief that the river is a living entity that deserves rights. The idea is that the river is living, that it is an, it has an existence that doesn't depend on humans, he said in a recent interview. It's not a simple resource for humans. It becomes an entity that has a right to live, to evolve naturally, to have its natural cycles. Which is true because, I mean, you take the humans out of the can, the, the can, uh, the mix, out of the mix and, uh, still going to go without us. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh you yeah. Know? I mean, you see those TV shows, what happens if you were to take humanity right off the planet? Yeah. The scourge that humanity is. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Boyd, an environmental lawyer, says the idea of granting rights to a river isn't as far-fetched as it seems. In our legal system, we declare lots of things to have legal personhood, like municipalities and corporations. So if you can give the, uh, uh, a city... A city or company. Personhood. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then right. why not? Yeah. And they do with companies too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He says the environmental personhood movement is a response to the belief that successive governments around the world have failed to adequately protect the environment, as well as to growing recognition of indigenous people's rights and their legal concepts. I think something like this is, and you notice going through the list, John, that there was a lot of of native aboriginal indigenous peoples Mm -hmm. groups in that list. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, their connection to the land is very different than ours. Oh, definitely is. Definitely is. Uh, So this is sort of like a two-pronged thing. It it protects the river and it protects the land of their traditional territories, right? Which is is awesome. Uh, While this is new in Canada... A resolution could have quite a bit of strength because of the constitutional p- protection of indigenous rights. In theory, you could have a lawsuit lawsuit brought on behalf of the river to present, sorry, prevent a hydroelectric project from taking place. And everyone agrees the biggest threat to the magpie is likely to come from the province's hydro utility, which has raised the possibility of damming the river now this is one thing you noticed Derek and it it was rather funny is the fact that they said they had no plans Mm 
Yes. Yeah, so Hydro Quebec is like, so in discussions, it was uh, Hydro Quebec, because Hydro Quebec is, is by far strongly against this, almost as much as the government of Quebec is. So Hydro Quebec insists that, oh, we don't have any plans for the Magpie in the short, even medium term, and that the plans are even foreseeable, are not even foreseeable for the next decade. But they go on to say, but in the long term, we do not know what Quebec's future energy needs will be. Right now, we do not consider it responsible in terms of Quebec's energy security to permanently renounce to the potential of this river. So they're saying we they're saying the people who protected this river are being irresponsible for protecting the river. (laughs) Wait a sec. (laughs) It's almost like they're saying, well, we're not going to do anything with the river, but they got their hands and their fingers crossed behind their back. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, members of the regional government and other environmental activists haven't given up lobbying the Quebec government to grant the river official protected status. And he thinks the province has been reluctant to commit to the idea, mostly because of the river's potential for hydroelectric power. That's the big thing, especially in Quebec. It comes down to the money, right? Yeah. Now, they have, they do have a surplus of power in Quebec. They have a surplus, even though like the, the they have closed down nuclear in the province. It was a political decision, and uh, so it's mothballed now, Gentilly. And so, but it, they still have they have an abundance of of hydroelectric power in the province. And the uh, Labrador hydroelectric project uh, project in uh, Labrador it provides a lot of power to the province of Quebec as well. And so, sure, they don't have a current need. They do have a surplus. But they also are kind of looking to the future and saying, "Hey, maybe we want to get some more power." But mm-hmm. it's it's you know you can't just you can't just lay waste to everything and put parking lots everywhere. Sometimes you got to say, "Well, we got to we we still need to have uh, riparian areas and protect the wildlife and protect the wildlife corridors and so on." Right? Yeah, definitely do. So when I was talking about Bangladesh, came the first country to grant all of its rivers the same legal status as humans. I said to keep that one in mind because the last question I have on here that I, I, I was thinking of while I was reading this, I wonder if this kind of action could ever be taken and used in an area for protection, an area like the boundary waters. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah. So protect the boundary waters from the mining by giving it protected personal 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 status personal status legal status as a human because right now it's it's it depends on the whim of the current government in in power in the states where it's either you're going to allow the licensing for mining or not allow licensing for mining in certain areas protected areas and so it's either in the boundary waters or up north in northern alaska and so on it's uh there's a lot of pressure for the mineral resources and oil and other uh, you know fuel fuel uh, pr- production right so mm-hmm. like what is it the porcupine herd in alaska is under threat for uh, you know for uh, mining and for oil production and and uh, boundary waters is under threat due to uh, was it copper and the, yeah mining copper yeah. and something mm-hmm. else mining and so it's it's one of those things if you can somehow find a protected status for it and then maybe it's it's something that can be protected into the future 
What do you think, John? I think that's a, a fascinating approach to it, right? And I think that's that's one of the things that the Menominee Indian tribe did here in Wisconsin with that back forty mine, or that they were they were trying to put through a an, an open pit mine, mm-hmm. and it was it was close. It was like was it fifty yards from the river? Yeah, and so which is you know, not that dissimilar from what's happening uh, or what they want to have happen up in the boundary waters. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it gets more complicated with the boundary waters because of the nature of it being, you know, a wilderness area and, and therefore falling under federal guidelines as well as Minnesota. Right. But, you know, I'm, and, and, and I don't want this to come across as, you know, a not in my backyard kind of thing, right? Because I love having my smartphone and and to have that we need, you know, some of the precious metals that we're talking about mining here. So on on the one hand, you know, I, I don't want to say that this is one of those things, well, well, it's it's in my backyard. I think there are certain places where this is a it, it's just inappropriate. Yeah, and, and the boundary definitely. waters is is one of those places. So, I it would be interesting to see if they if they take this tack. Mm-hmm. So yeah, be very interesting. Yeah, I, I I I fully agree with that. There's there's places that should just be off limits. You know, I mean, if there was a diamond mine sitting right in the middle of boundary waters, you know, would 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 it still be protected, or would they say, yeah, tough nuggies, we're gonna go get those those diamonds because of what it is, you know, yeah. like there, there should be certain things that are just off limits. Mm-hmm. So, um, do you have anything to add to this, Derek? I don't know. I, I think we've talked this out. Uh, it's, we've covered off everything that I think was important to cover off. And yeah. it's, it's, it's important that we do consider these actions going forward to, uh, to protect the natural areas where business and governments don't have the 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 uh, the backbone to do so, right? Well, as far as I'm concerned, it's the more protection we can give to the waterways, the more absolutely it, it benefits us as paddlers. It, that's for it, sure. And it it's not just paddlers; it benefits everybody. So it, it's uh, natural wildlife, fishing, and and sure, we can we can lump in the the uh, recreational uses of the area because it's who else is going to use these areas, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like hunters and fishermen and campers and paddlers and the wildlife and it's it's uh it's, it, and especially when it comes to native communities and and uh oh, and definitely. natural lands that belong to the natives and in the Innu and and so on it's it's important that we protect those going forward and not just treat it like like uh, a wall another walmart parking lot that we need to put in right yeah <laughs> yeah anything to add there john no i think he uh Derek, you were quite elegant there. Wow. Thanks, John. Wow. Uh, And I'm half asleep. (laughs) (laughs) He's been drinking. (laughs) Well, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, John, you're going to give us a little bit of a, we we thought this was just going to be a little, okay, well, we're going to hear from John in three months to see how he's doing. But wow. I know. Uh, This trip of yours, John, we'll be right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka and Halliburton. Welcome back. So, John, last week we talked about your 48 state trip. Yes. Thought, oh yeah, this is going to be good. This is how you're going to do it. You're going to hit a little piece of this, a little piece of that. Check Mm -hmm. out this, check out that. Hit a main waterway in each state. All will be good. And then we finished off by saying, hey, everybody, all our listeners, we love you all if you want uh, drop John a message and say, Hey, you should come here and paddle and yeah. check out this place. And what happened, John? <laughs> Actually got, uh, we got a number of letters and some really good suggestions. Mm-hmm. So and, uh, your trip has evolved. <laughs> yes, it has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's actually in, in, in addition to, um, some really uh, cool people offering suggestions and and even like, uh, you know, a boat here or, or I can go here or meet you at this, you know. Um, it's also changed from one long trip now to four loops. And then it went from four loops down to three loops, which is kind of where I'm at now. Because you had said, picture a butterfly with its four <laughs> wings. And then when you posted a picture... <laughs> Did you hit that butterfly with your truck, John? <laughs> it was missing a wing. It was missing a wing. One wing was kind of mangled. It was wonky. It was a little rough, yeah. yeah. yeah it was a mutant butterfly. <laughs> well, I started going in, and what I was trying to do was, uh, you know, hit the northern sections before the weather gets bad, mm-hmm. and try to hit, try to hit it late summer to early fall, even because I I read the. The numbers of people that went into the Great Smoky Mountains National Park down here, and it was the highest, was it the second highest number of people that have ever visited the National Park? And that's after it was shut down for months. Hmm. Well. So, you know, because of COVID, right, there's nothing you can do except, you know, for a lot of people, it's going outside. Right. So, this summer, despite, you know, vaccines... Um, hopefully when more people are getting the vaccines, it's going to be more common. And, you know, I still think we're going to see a lot of people out and about. Yeah. I don't think that's going to change. Right. So what I was trying to do with, with the, the thought process was to be able to go later, hit, go do a, the first loop being a loop up to the Northeast up to, up to Maine, and then kind of back down and around to Wisconsin. Then the second loop out towards Seattle down to California and some of the, you know, Arizona, et cetera, and then swing back up. And then a last loop that would go down to basically down to Texas, over to Florida, 
up through the southeastern states and back home. And given weather, that should be okay. Because at one point when I was looking at the trip the way I'd laid it out, it was like, huh, I don't think I want to be in Florida during hurricane season. <laughs> well, really? see, and that's when you can tell it's gone from a, ah, oh, this would be kind of a cool thing to plan out, but I know it's probably not going to happen, Too. When you start accounting for weather, times of year, <laughs> yeah. different things like that, it's gone beyond the just a planning thing. Getting now. a bit more real. This is becoming more real. It's it's yeah, you know, I, I'm looking at it going, this really could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And so as I set this up, I, I've done these different maps now. I'm up to what I what I'm calling version two point because <laughs> I did several versions here since we we chatted last week and now i'm i'm just saying okay this is a whole new animal version 2.0 and and you know we'll keep it going from here so well at this rate is going to be version 600 yeah by the time <laughs> it actually really, go yeah, yeah it it really will because just looking at you know and and now i'm looking at time frames too and it's like okay well if i'm going to do this and you know depending on start dates and everything what am I? What do I real? I what do I really want to do? Because I said initially I want to paddle one iconic waterway in each state, mm-hmm. then go to the next one, paddle one there, go to the next. But the problem is, it's making some determinations about what you have to do. So, for example, do I need to hit all five Great Lakes? Because the way things set up. In New York, for example, I would have to hit Lake Ontario there. It's the only U.S. state around Lake Ontario. Right. But I was hoping to do the Erie Canal because of the history of that, and that would be the only canal that I had plans on, you know, hitting, or maybe even Glimmerglass Lake, you know, James Fenimore Cooper novels down in Cooperstown. So, you know, you look at that and say, well, now i got to start making some hard choices because this... You know, the trip can't go on for years. Uh, not Says if I want to stay married anyway. <laughs> ah, marriage is for chumps. <laughs> is my wife listening? Let <laughs> <laughs> me send a couple of emails after we record here. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's the same with Michigan, too, right? And, and a lot of places, right? In Michigan, you're looking at, well, I'd love to go do that in Isle Royale, which is, you know, also could maybe then do Lake Superior. Uh, Lake Huron, and go to the Sylvania Wilderness, and th- that's all in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And then you get to Minnesota. Do you hit the Boundary Waters canoe area, or do you hit the headwaters of the Mississippi? You know, so you, I, I've got to make these choices because I, time-wise, I won't be able to. And you know, even looking at it, I was I was chatting with Jan, and and li- there's a place called Ross Lake out in Washington, and it's been a bucket list of mine. Since, gosh, probably the early 1990s, I read an article about Jack Kerouac, the beat writer. Yep. And he spent a summer up on a fire tower up near Ross Lake, Washington. In a fire tower. Pardon me? In a fire tower. Yeah. He thought it would be good for him because he would get away from, you know, from the booze and the city life and he'd get up there and be able to write and you know get back to nature and everything else it turned out uh side story here turned out he hated it 
he absolutely hated it, and they hated him. And and uh, <laughs> he he would turn off the radio so he could write. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, so you know the Forest Service couldn't reach him, and uh, you know he just he. In fact, he ended up not really writing up there either. He he wrote some stuff in his journals, but when you read some of the things he he wrote about it later, it, it's it's beautiful, and so it's it's I. I I think Jack Kerouac's a really interesting guy, so I've always kind of been interested in, you know, him and the Beats, and so I thought, well, I'd love to go do that. The thing is, though, where it's situated, unless the border opens up, I have to put in at one lake, portage a mile or so around a dam, put into another lake, paddle 13 miles, which is Ross Lake, paddle 13 miles down Ross Lake to get to the closest campsite next to the little trailhead that goes up and you know you're you're looking at this going okay if i portage and if i do a really long day how long is this going to take me <laughs> and pretty, pretty soon that one bucket list item is five days <laughs> is that jack mountain no it would be uh do, 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 you're going to make me you're going to make me try to think <laughs> for the <laughs> episode because i'm after looking I've at had a couple here. of guinness <laughs> I want to say Mount Diablo, but I'm not sure. Because there's a Jack Mountain, there's a Crater Mountain, there's a Ruby Mountain. Oh, Diablo Lake Vista Point. So Diablo Lake is, Diablo Dam is where the the one that I have to portage around. Okay. See, now you're going to make me look, aren't you? Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Okay, Ross Lake. Okay, everybody out there who's Diablo listening. Diablo Lake. And then Ross Lake. There's the river that goes up into Ross Lake. Okay, so if you go to the eastern side of it, you'll see the hiking trail down there. Okay, okay. and you get down. Let's see. Oh, there is Do a campsite there. Green yeah, Point. there's Ross Desolation Dam. Peak. That's it. Oh, Desolation. Desolation. Okay, okay. Yeah. That's so a long you, lake, man. It is. It is. Now, if... in in you know, you look at the pictures of it, and it's just gorgeous. I mean, there's absolutely no question that this is, you know, there's a reason this is kind of a, a bucket list item, and not just Jack Kerouac. And what's really cool, so if you set your your browser uh, on Google Maps, if you set that to the satellite image, yep, yep. and then um, zoom out from there, and you look at the terrain around it, oh, wow, man, I need to do this. There's a couple of valleys, a big lake. Let's look at that. It's gorgeous. Huh. So, you know, so then I, I don't think that's going to be feasible on this trip. And I, I hate to say that because I've wanted to do this since, you know, again, since the early <laughs> 1990s. But I, unless I, you know, figure out a way to pick up five days, which I don't know how I could do, right? Because, yeah. I mean, if you're yeah. pushing yourself that hard, there's just... You're not going to enjoy the paddling, so I think that might be a a standalone vacation someday. Mm -hmm. So those are the kinds of things to get back to the kind of the the forty eight state piece of it. It's it's making those dishes decisions. Excuse me, making those decisions now, and so that's where this is going to take some time. It, and this is also cool where people are saying, "Hey, while you're here and and." you know, my state here, 
hit this, for example, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, so it's it's it will be it, it's it's fun though, to be honest. It's really fun because I I'll get up in the morning and uh get my coffee going, take care of the pup, and I'll come sit in the office and work on the map a little bit, you know, and I've done that every morning since since we talked last week. So, yeah, it's it's something that's kind of cool. Someone's getting obsessed. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good it, obsessed. It, it, it's a good. It obsessed. really starts to yeah yeah. So and, you know, we're gonna we're gonna start a new segment <laughs> called "Tell John Where to Go." Derek and I will not be uh, commenting on this because you know swear words. <laughs> <laughs> But you've already had people sending messages. I know I forward has a couple people messages. tell him where to go all the time. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, telling you, hey, check this out, and if you're out this way, let me know, and I can maybe meet you and and paddle. And um, what I, I think that'll be really cool if we could sort of follow along your planning stages. Maybe do a little mm-hmm. update every couple of weeks. Yeah, and what's your timeline, yeah. John? Well, if if this were a real trip, yeah, I would say I would like to start September first to avoid the real heavy okay. summer travel. Yeah, and that's that's why I did those shortened loops, you know, or the shortened northeast loop, so then I could get over to do, you know, so I don't get completely snowed over going across the Rockies and such, and you know, yeah. Montana, Wyoming, that area. Cross the but, fingers. And then after that, you know, if you drive one day, paddle one day, drive one day, and then throw in one maintenance day every week because, you know, just for for equipment and washing clothes and things like that. Ah, a rest day. <laughs> um, oh, washing clothes. <laughs> I tell you what, if, if people are kind enough to take me paddling, the last thing I can do is smell like I did on the Yukon. Yeah, I can imagine. Didn't expect <laughs> it. So I like the idea that you're starting September because from my predictions, well, a lot of people's predictions is uh, things are going to slowly kind of congeal back to normalcy, what, well, new normal, but the borders, I think, might be open by September and you might be able to get some Canadians to join you. Oh, that would you be know, so like, awesome. Like leg segments and a day you know, paddle and whatever. It's, it's uh, so, yeah. I if if you're awesome. looking to do a paddle between Lake Erie and Lake Ontario, there's a nice stretch there. <laughs> With this awesome portage goes around a bit of a waterfall. <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you. Just make sure you take out before the waterfall. Yes. Yeah. 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 I may want to do Drops that. Drops a bit of a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Just throwing that out there. Uh, yeah. But you know what I want to do with this mm. is if we, if you give us an update every couple of weeks, a little short update on things that have changed to, and, and let us know, you know, oh, I'm meeting up one of our our listeners or, you know, one of our listeners told yeah. me about this place. I'm going to add that sort of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to follow this along the um, planning process. Yes, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. we'd always already said, if you're going on this trip, we'll do updates while you're out on the road. Yep. And then sort of compare how the planning process actually yes. compares to... Planning versus reality. Reality. Of the trip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, you know, the, I think that the thing about this, too, is I, I think will be one of the things that's interesting is, you know, paddlers are interesting people. And I've met, you know, people on waterways and you become fast friends. And, and with something like this, you know, the inclination will be, oh, let's go have a beer after the paddle, mm-hmm. right? Well, this is kind of a fun area. Where else do you go paddle here? Yeah. And over a few beers, you say, well, I could just maybe sneak in a few hours tomorrow. You know what I mean? That kind of. Um, You're going to have to keep yourself to a, a pretty rigid, rigid uh, schedule. Oh, yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm <clears throat> German background, so rigid schedules aren't, a, you know, are, are, <laughs> are good for my people. Uh, <laughs> but, but. Uh, but I'm not great with rigid schedules, so I'm I'm a lot more fluid on stuff. Well, you're just going to have to learn, aren't you? I, you know, I I think if I'm going to finish this, you know, in the next couple of years, probably yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that three-hour paddle turned into six weeks in Idaho. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and and like. Uh, I've got a number of, I, I posted a, my cover photo on Facebook. I posted and said, you know, if you could drive or, you know, basically share a great waterway within a day's drive of your home, what would it be? And so people have been, you know, adding kind of suggestions from that. And the, the thing that's really tough is, you know, uh, Ryan Fox, a, a friend and, and uh, one of the big winter camping guys here, had said, well, you could go here and you could go here. And, and, and finally, I was like joking. I was like, stop, I'll never get out of the upper you know, Midwest. <laughs> I started so, in the Bay in Seattle and now I'm in Maui. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, so I, I think it'll be, uh, I think it's fun. And, you know, a lot of the trying to pull in some of the history sites, mm-hmm. I, I would like to do something with this. And I'm, because the time frame's tight, I'm not sure how to do this yet, but I'd like to do something to give it um, either an education component, like we were going to do with the Yukon Journey or, you know, something with first responders. I'd like to add something to it so it's not just a paddle trip. Right. But when you do that, you add a lot of complexity and logistics become even more difficult. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, and there um, are only so many hours in a day. Yes, and right. you are and, doing this solo. And I'm doing this, you know, in the fall where light starts to cut. Yep. And, you know, the, the other thing with this is with the temperature changes. And it's, again, it's one of those things. This is a mental exercise only. I'm not really thinking about this. <laughs> nudge, um, nudge, wink, wink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are the days with fog, right? When you start getting those temperature changes, you start getting foggy days out on rivers. Right. And, you know, so your paddle, oh, I'm just, I'm going to go paddle five, six hours today. Well, I really couldn't get going until after 11 because there, the, it was just too foggy on the river. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I've had that happen in late season trips and that's, that's something else that's got to, has to be factored into it too. Yeah, definitely. So, definitely. Yeah. So the, a lot of different things in it. Uh, I will say this though, and, and this is your fault. This is completely your fault, Sean. Awesome! I'll take full responsibility. <laughs> when you mention the word packraft, <laughs> oh yes, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so is it Coca Pelli or is it Alpaca? 
I'm looking at Coca Pelle yeah, and going like, baby. go you rogue, know what? go rogue. You know? Oh man, <laughs> I tell you, and and look at the weight. I mean, I know. So my stand up paddleboard is 24 pounds just for the board, but these the Coca Pelle, the pack rafts. You know, you're looking at. It's, it's the uh, way to uh, oh, the, the rogue light is like six pounds or something yeah. like that. Yeah. 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 And if you get something that's, you know, can take a little bit more of a beating and, and carry my fat butt around, you know, you're still looking at nine to 14 pounds. Yeah. So you throw that in a pack, you know, a, a little bit of your gear, a PFD and paddle and stuff, you're still in a decent range pack to hike up, hit a high mountain lake. Yeah. See, I, I mean, told you, buddy. Pack rafts, especially if you're now, I mean, I was looking at a pack raft and when you start looking at the cost versus how much you're going to use one, you know, all that there. And I mean, I, I had a chit chat with, uh, with them, uh, the Coca Belly people at Canucopia two years ago. And then I had a, a zoom call with, with one of them or a Skype call with one of them, um, talking about, you know, their, their product and stuff. And they are based in Colorado for a reason. <laughs> like there is nowhere. Because in they're my lucky. Na- yeah. <laughs> yes. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> There's nowhere around here really that I can bike for three days and then exactly, yeah. take the bike apart, put it in the pack raft and then float back to my house. Sort yeah, of he, thing. Right. Yeah. The rivers, the rivers around Toronto realistically are not that kind of river. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're out west, Colorado and all that, oh, mm-hmm. I mean, the mountain rivers and stuff like that, you can go for days. You know, you, you throw that on on a in a pack, that yep. one of those pack rafts in a pack, and then you just hike for five days. And then, you know, two days later, you're, you know, you're, you're back at your car from mm-hmm. via the river sort of thing. Um, yeah, I would love to have a pack raft, but... At that price point, mm-hmm. you you want to be able to use it. Yeah, you want to make use of it. You want to yeah. be able to. And it's it's uh it does have a very specific use. It's not going to paddle that well. So if you're, I, I was thinking uh, when we discussed it earlier about you know the Petawal River going through Algonquin, but there's there as much as there's some white water on that river, there's also f- some fairly long sections that flat are just water. flat water paddling. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, they don't, they don't, uh, track very well. They don't paddle very easily. See, I talked about the Missanabe because they would be awesome on portages. Yes. Oh <laughs> six, yeah. Six Imagine. pounds. <laughs> yeah. 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 You got yourself one pack, you got your six pound pack raft. Mm-hmm. I mean, that portage, you could run it. <laughs> and then, I mean, the water's going super fast too. So mm-hmm. even on the flat sections. Going up to, once you hit the Moose River and everything, going up to Moose and E, yeah. you're going at a good speed. Yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. so and that's perfect. That's ideal conditions. But that's like a twelve-hour drive just to start from here. Yeah, right, sort of thing. But so. the oh, good oh, thing about it that. is you deflate it and you pack it onto the train from uh, Moose and e Moose Factory and Moose and E, yeah, train it back. Yeah, and then yeah. back to back to Cochrane and then yeah. jump in your car and come home another twelve hours. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's a awesome. brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. See, that will almost make it worth the cost of the pack raft itself right there. Mm-hmm. For, but for, at that point, you rent one. Yes, exactly. If it's a, for a one-off trip, mm-hmm. and you think, well, it'd probably be uh, five years before you even try to use this thing again. Yeah. I guess I'll rent. But then you're at the yeah. whims of, uh, of a beaten-up old boat that a whole bunch of people have used. 
<laughs> I'll sell you mine when I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's <laughs> for me looking that, looking at it with this trip, it, it has a couple of advantages that, they really stand out, you know, the, the weight, obviously, right? So you can hike it up to a mountain lake or you can, for example, one of the things with this and me being solo means when I hit a river, it's going to be paddle upstream, turn around, come back. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I have a pack raft, get a pack raft in a nice day, maybe I hike up river, hop out and float it back, just relax and float. So it, it gives you a kind of a different, it, it's a different tool, right? Or if you manage to hook up with somebody that you can get them to drop you off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like drive you like 10 kilometers upstream or whatever. Yeah. And then yeah. float back. Right. I mean, I, I, I'm the really intrigued. The abilities are endless. <laughs> they are endless. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll never come home. <laughs> And that's what Jan was hoping. <laughs> <laughs> she's she's been actually whispering these things into my ear at night when you're Get sleeping. The Coco Pally. Get the Coco Pally. Go out Pally. for months and months. Yeah. <laughs> Every state. That's Why right. do one river per state when you can do two or three? <laughs> then go to Canada. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> oh, float yeah. to Europe. <laughs> it's a long float. That's what she was hoping. Yeah, yeah I uh, see it. Well, John, uh, keep us uh, abreast of the situations here as they change. Um, and uh, definitely let us know if our listeners are uh, throwing you messages and that. And, uh, and yeah, They definitely are, and it's, it's, it's really cool. And, and uh, as I start kind of locking down a little bit more of the, the route and stuff, we'll give a shout-out to some of these people, too, because mm-hmm. it's really nice of them to take the time to do that. Yeah, and I gave uh, him a route that went right over a giant waterfall and he fell for right. it! <laughs> Sucker! <laughs> yeah, well, and, and if you go to, I'll, I'll post uh, the map version 2.0 with uh, the three-loop route right now, I'll, I'll post that and uh, maybe the we can share that on the podcast. Is it different than the one that my cat was uh, <laughs> tearing apart, yeah. showing you where yes. the alligators weren't? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Don't go. Well, that here. was version one point something. So yeah. It's, so now there's a newer changed. version. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. What? A, oh, Canucopia. Let's move on to Canucopia here. It still involves John. John's just everywhere now, man. <laughs> so March 12th to 14th, they're doing it virtual uh, as well. Uh, go to canucopia.com and you can get, it's a $15 ticket for three days. Mm-hmm. And John, you're doing a panel on real safety. Or yeah, real, real world real. safety on Sunday, March 14th at 1 p.m. Central Time. And uh, going to have Kevin Callen and Scott Oath and Krista Martineau joining me on that. And so that will be a fun one. It will. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that, that'll be cool. Uh, again, you know, hopefully next year we're all in the same building. and <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. The, Thanks I'm, for I'm, to... I'm waiting next year we get to go to all these things again because driving with Kevin. that's awesome yeah i look forward to going to these things again i missed them i do i do too yeah yep 
Uh, I think that's about it. You got anything else, Derek? I do not. You do not. You're falling asleep, eh? No, not yet. Not yet? Okay. Just checking. <laughs> Just checking. My eyes uh, are getting dry, though. We got one beer left for next week. So I'll have to do a... We're all out of uh, Lake of Bays, I'll have and to we're do, all out of Thousand Islands. <laughs> I'll have to do a beer run. Yeah. Beer run, Derek. Come on, buddy. Get her batter. Let's get at her. <laughs> Been drinking too much beer over the last uh, month. Uh, John, you got anything else? No, I think that's it. That about it? Well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream all our 264 episodes from iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. If you go to the episode page at Paddling Adventures Radio, you can listen or download all our episodes there as well. If you enjoy the podcast, please share them with friends, family, fellow paddlers, and everybody who might enjoy it. Uh, Again, if you think you know of a place in your area down through the United States where John should uh, add to his big trip, definitely drop a line to either us or John Van Berger. It was John Double Tap Van Berger on Facebook. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Just in case the zombies (laughs) show up. Uh, John, thanks for coming on this week. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody for listening. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.